Let's all stand together. Let's open our Bibles to John chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Father, we thank you for your word. Pray you'd bless it to us, guide us in it. Bless those who've heard your voice today and have made a commitment. And Father, let us grow in you and let us touch this community. In Jesus' name, amen. The, the passage that we read today is, is a passage that is uh, very, very well known to us. It's, it's not like we know chapter and verse like you would John 3.16. But the, the message that's in this passage impacts our thinking uh, about heaven about as much as any passage that you could read in the Bible, pretty much equally with, with anyone. We've heard it expressed in many different versions of the Bible, and it's been put into song so that our idea about what's going to happen uh, in heaven is, comes flowing right out of this passage. I, when I was a kid growing up here, a teenager, we had a youth choir, and uh, one of the songs that we sang was a song, was this song. Getting ready today, moving out tomorrow, gonna say goodbye to earthly sorrow. I'm looking for my mansion fair. I see the light, I'm almost there. Amen? This idea of a mansion comes out of this passage. Back in 1949, Ira Stanfield wrote a song that uh, many of us uh, know and have sang throughout our lifetime. Uh, I'm going to see if I can sing it again for you, and you sing with me if you've got this one. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that fine land where we will never grow old and someday yonder we will never more wander, but walk on streets that are purest gold. Amen. Are you looking forward to that day? Yeah, give the Lord a clap offering. What a great picture Jesus gives us of what's going to happen when we get to heaven and what heaven is going to be like. But, but I want to tell you, this, this chapter and verse where it's broken, where it begins chapter 14, and, and, the, and, the, and the great message of this Scripture, sometimes what happens is the drama and the impact of the moment and what's going on is lost to it. It almost becomes this standalone thing about, oh, I've got a mansion that is being prepared, a room being prepared for me, and he's going to come back and get us. And we miss the context of everything that's going on. So let me back up with us, and let's talk about where this happened at for a few moments. 
What's happened in this verse is this. They're in the upper room. If you go back and read chapter 13, they're in the upper room, and it's just hours before the crucifixion. Jesus has been preparing them for, that, for what's going to happen in the next few hours, and he's been preparing them for what's going to happen in the days and weeks and months and years after the crucifixion. As we talked last week, he has washed their feet and served them and called them to be servants to each other and to others. He has instituted communion and told them to do this often in remembrance of him. He has told them that in the next few hours that one of them will betray him. And all of them have asked the question, is it I? Am I the one that's going to betray him? Peter has stepped up and said, I will never betray you. I will go with you even unto death. And Jesus lets him know, before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to betray me multiple times. You're going to deny me multiple times. So you've got to picture this room now with these men in it who have given everything. They've walked away from their lives. They've walked away from their families. They've given everything over these last few years to follow Jesus. And there's a thought in their mind that Jesus is going to set up his earthly rule upon the earth at that moment, even though he's been telling them very clearly. But their doctrine, what they've learned throughout all their life is so embedded, they're still of this mindset that he's going to overthrow Rome and set up a new Israeli government right then. So what he's been saying to them it's not good news. The fact that somebody is going to betray him certainly raises some tension in the room. The fact that Peter has been told he's going to deny him has raised some tension in the room. And the fact that he's talking about leaving them has filled with them with great concern after having staked everything upon who Jesus is. It was in this moment, somewhere in this moment, when all of this is going on, the room is, uh, is, is filled with this kind of concern that Jesus must have looked around and seen the look on their faces and read their body language that this night was no longer a celebration. The life had been sucked out of the party and he had done it. And he turns the page, and he gives them a word that's going to become permanently embedded as a message to all believers from that day to this day, for them and for us, is going to be established. And he starts it out this way, let not your hearts be troubled. 
believe in God, believe also in me. Some of the things you've just heard me say is going to happen. All the stuff you've heard me just talk about. Don't let those momentary things shake your world. Believe in me. Put your faith in me. It's going to be okay today, and it's going to be even better for all eternity. Right here in John 14, he gives us this word that gets passed on to you and me today. And he says this to us. Doesn't matter what you're going through. Doesn't matter what circumstances seem to be in front of you right now. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God and believe in me. Put your faith in me. Put your confidence in me. Did you get bad news this week? Is something going on that you're concerned about or worried about? Is your life bound up by something bigger than you and you can't seem to get out from underneath of it? Is the enemy whispering in your ear that God cannot love you? You know, the enemy's a liar. He lies to us about all kinds of stuff. Are you overwhelmed and feeling hopeless? In the life of the follower of Christ, it is in this moment that Jesus steps to the center of our lives. And John chapter 14 cries out to us, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. You may be in a setting where people deny faith and reject you because of faith. You may be in a setting where the temptation is great to give in to things that are not true. You may be under a set of circumstances where it would be easy for you to, to weigh, to carry the weight of worry and fear and doubt. But Jesus says to us, right in the middle of those circumstances, right in the middle of the bad news, right in the middle as you're getting ready to go into the worst storm you can imagine, Jesus says to us, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. This is where peace starts. In this belief that God exists, and listen, and that God loves you. God wants the best for you. God is working out the best for your life. See, the disciples didn't understand at that moment. They didn't understand that what Jesus was about to face was the best thing that could happen for all mankind. They didn't realize that he was, they didn't understand fully that he was going to be the perfect sacrifice and that all the things that were happening, he was taking our sin upon his shoulders. He was taking our burden upon his life. They didn't get all of that at that moment. He was trying to help them see it, but they were caught in another paradigm of thought and their thought that, that he was going to be taken and abused by men and beaten by men and crucified and die. 
They didn't know that resurrection day was just around the corner. They didn't know the hope of heaven that was coming. And Jesus looks at them and says, these next days, it may seem pretty troublesome to you guys. What I'm telling you may not seem really good, but listen to me. Let not your hearts be troubled. And God would say that to every one of us today. What are you in the middle of? What are you about to go into? What's, what's just coming into your rearview mirror? What's going on here? Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe in Jesus' plan for your life. Trust Him. Today and tomorrow may be hours where you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but He's going to be there to guide us to the perfect end. The heart that is free from trouble is the heart that is fully dedicated to seeking and knowing God, to putting faith in Him at all times, to knowing who He is, how He plans on working in our life, and believing Him, taking Him at his word. Now, we've got to be careful. Because one of the warped viewpoints of man's relationship with God that, that people get from a very light reading of Scripture or from, you know, hearing people just lightly talk about these things is this. We get this idea that God loves us all the same. So God responds to us all the same. I've heard people say, yeah, God loves us all the same. And God does love us all. But he responds with reward to those who believe he exists and who diligently seek him. There's a difference, friends. Everybody's not the same before God. Everybody has an opportunity for the fullness of God's blessing to come upon the earth. Everybody is loved by God, but everybody doesn't receive all that God has for them because somewhere along in life, they stop pursuing God. The man who cries out to God only when he's in trouble who ignores God's direction and his will for his life until he has need of God's hand to move. Listen, that guy's going to have a troubled life and a troubled heart. In Proverbs, you know, we all like to read scriptures that are full of promise and full of hope, don't we? Those are the ones we memorize. Those are the ones that we get down in our life, these great promises of God, and they are wonderful and life-giving, aren't they? But, but our call is to know the fullness of God's Word, all of it, not just a portion. In Proverbs, the purpose of Proverbs is to give us wisdom. The purpose of Proverbs is to teach us about common sense, to learn how to act in the kingdom of God. It's all about learning how to see the world and how to act in the world. This is why we tell you that one of the good things that you can do for your life is read a chapter of Proverbs every day. Line it up with the day of the, 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 day of the, of the month, and if it's the 12th, you read the 12th. If it's the 15th, you read the 15th proverb. If it's the 1st, you read the 1st proverb, and you start getting Proverbs into your life until it becomes just common to you. 
So this is what Proverbs is setting us up for when, it, when we open up the book and read chapter 1. And listen to chapter 1, verse 24, because we, again, we capture all the promises and we kind of skim past some of the tougher stuff. So are you ready for some of the tougher stuff? Listen to what God says to us. Because I have called to you, a called, and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand, and no one is heeded. Because you have ignored my counsel and would have none of my reproof. In other words, you, you wouldn't pay attention to my correction. You wouldn't do it. Here's where it gets tough. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised my reproof. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. That's pretty tough, isn't it? It's echoed in the New Testament when God warns us in His Word that He will not be mocked, that we cannot play this game with Him where we go about doing all the stuff we want to do on our own and ignoring His correction, living life our own way, and expecting Him to sweep in and rescue us whenever we get in trouble. He says, no, I'm speaking to you. I have told you. I'm talking to you. I'm trying to help you. I want you to have the fullness of life. God's plan for us is great and glorious. But he says we're foolish when we ignore him. But now at the end of this, he gives us this great promise. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. God says the person who builds their life seeking Him, who builds their actions upon His direction, who receives His correction, who hears Him and follows Him, who pays attention to Him and obeys Him. He says, listen, the one who listens to me, you're going to be secure. You're going to be above the fray. You're going to be at ease and without dread of disaster because I'm going to be with you. The life that, that pursues God is not free from trouble, but is free from a troubled heart. We all walk through time. The, the disciples were about to walk through a very, very troubling time. They were going to go through some days of complete darkness, and yet Jesus tells them before they go into it, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Even when you see me being crucified, even when they put me in the grave, believe in me.
Trust me. Put your faith in me. For us to learn to take refuge in him is what will give us peace in the storm. When we listen and when we obey and we pay attention to him, he sweeps into our life in those very moments and gives us peace that this world doesn't understand. Now in that time, Jesus goes on to to celebrate with them. He starts talking about heaven. He starts talking about a home for them. You know, the enemy really does his best to ruin the meaning of words that are supposed to carry deep purpose in our lives. Think about how he has attacked. Some of you, when you think of your fathers, you have great, great powerful memories of your fathers, and yet the enemy has moved in others' lives. Well, when you think about a father, it's abusive. You think about a mother. The enemy wants to undermine the meaning of a mother. The enemy desperately wants to undermine the power and the hope of a word like church. He wants to confuse us about what it's like. He wants us to bring the world into it. He wants us to be really shallow in what the meaning of the, of the church is. He doesn't want us to understand the great, powerful, life-giving place that the church is supposed to, to, is supposed to supply in our lives and to give us in our lives. He wants us to be wounded by the church. He doesn't want us to understand love. He wants it to be filled with lust. He wants it to be filled with Thoughts and terminologies have nothing to do with what real love is. And friends, he doesn't want you to understand what home is. He doesn't want you to feel the safety of home. Some of you have come from safe and wonderful homes. Some of you have built safe and wonderful homes. And some of you may have never experienced that home that is full of love and security and spiritual health that God means for you. You'll find it when you begin to search the Word and obey the Word. But here is one of the great claims of Jesus. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. He draws a picture of us, for us, of home. Jesus tells them, in my Father's house are many rooms. You will not come as a guest. You're going to come as part of the family. I'm going to get your room ready so that when you come, when you come, that you will be there. You will be there with me. You will be at home. Home is this great place that we're supposed to be able to go and experience together. And it's supposed to be a place filled with safety and filled with the life of God in our lives. But if our mind is, is confused about that, we miss what the home is for us. So Jesus tells us that our hearts do not need to be troubled, but he's going to take us to this place where we have home. This is one of these great claims that Jesus has for us. Whatever you have faced and whatever you will face, Jesus has said that in his Father's house, you have a place. Your place will be ready when you get there. Even in the best of circumstances, we find ourselves as aliens on this earth. Strangers, the more we become into the the nature of Christ, 
the more we find ourselves as strangers to the desires and the passions of the world. And it's here where the church is supposed to be a home for believers that is filled with his love, filled with his peace, and filled with his security. These men that Jesus were talking to were the first wave of the church in a hostile world. We look at them today and we see them as heroes. We see them as great men of importance. They were never going to experience that on this earth. They weren't going to be seen as heroes on this earth. They were going to be seen as a threat. They were going to lay down their lives for the truth that they believed in. And they were going to approach this world not as their home. They were going to approach this world looking forward to a home, a world that wouldn't consider them of great importance, but men of the mo- of most Im- with the most important message. Here is what Jesus says to us. Believe in him. He finishes this part of the message with this promise. I go, if I go, I will come again someday to take you there. Do you get that? Someday, Jesus is coming for every believer. Are you a believer? Someday he's coming for you. Now, there's one or two ways he's going to come for us. One or two ways. He's either going to come one-on-one, just you and him, or he's going to come for everybody all at once. The everybody all at once seems really exciting, doesn't it? Trumpet sounds, and we're gone. The one-on-one, eh. We need to see this moment rightly. Think about this for a moment. You're driving an old junk car. It's got holes in the floorboard so that whenever it rains, your feet get wet. It's missing hubcaps, and the fenders are rusted out, and the radio doesn't work, and there's no uh, heat in the winter or air. Uh, in, in the summer, the shocks are shot, the brakes are iffy, the seats are torn, and you have to jump start it every time it goes below 40 degrees. That's what you've been driving for a while. Can't afford anything else, you don't have anything else. And suddenly you are given just a brand new sedan with all the fixings. I mean, everything you can imagine is on this new car. It's given to you debt-free. You don't owe a penny on it. It has a full warranty that no matter what happens, it's going to be taken care of. Now, let me ask you for a second. Do you want to go back to the old car, or do you want to keep the new car? You want to keep the new one. Now, when all you've known and all you've ever had, maybe all you've ever seen is the old car. You may have never been able to imagine the new one. You may just be happy that you've got a car because everybody else looks like they're walking. But you've got a car. But once you've experienced the new car, you don't want the old car anymore. Friends, that's what we're in today. We're in the old car. We may have a lot of things that we like in this car. We may look at the rest of the world and say they're walking. They don't have it as good as we do. But friends, listen to me. We're in the old car. Once you get to heaven, there's nobody in heaven going, oh, I wish I could go back there. (laughs) 
You know, we sit down here, oh, I wish Grandma was still here. And she's up there going, I don't want to be back there. Don't send me back there. I'm happy here. This is the old car. Listen, the best, if you're living in the best junkyard in the world, it's still a junkyard. Have you got, have you got, we are living in the place where sin has had its way, where the pain of this world is still evident uh, around us, where we still get the smell and the, oh, the odors and the trash, and we have to watch where we're walking. Heaven will be home at its, be- at its best, perfect relationships, beauty, health, no temptation of the enemy, no spiritual battles without or within. All the pain is gone. All the bad habits are broken. All the things that hold our life uh, are done. We now have freedom in Jesus. People in heaven don't want to come back here. People in heaven want to stay there. Someday we're going to hear a voice or a trumpet that somehow we're going to know. It will be like an awakening in the morning when you are excited about what you will experience that day. Your eye, on a, you know on those days when you're really excited to get up the next day, you're looking forward to what's going to happen that day. You've been dreaming about that day. When, the, when that day comes and the alarm goes off, it's not like, you know, when the alarm goes off and you're, you're going someplace you don't want to go. And you go, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to school again today. I don't want to go to school today. I don't even have my homework done. I don't want to go. You ever been, anybody ever been there besides me? No, no, this is a day where you're, you know, you're going someplace. You're starting vacation that day. You're, you're taking a trip that you're doing. When, when that day comes and the alarm goes off, what happens? Your eyes pop open. You're, re- you're ready to go. It's the day you've been waiting for. You don't drag yourself up out of bed. You jump up out of bed. It's time to go. Listen, when Jesus comes for you or when that trumpet sounds, friends, you're not going to drag yourself out of bed. You're going to jump out of bed. All pain and worry and fear falls off around our feet. You're going to immediately feel lighter, filled with the joy of God. You're going to feel fearless. The day has come. You are truly awake for the first time. What's left behind is nothing to you except for the ones that you hope will join you someday. What is before you is a great reunion. Loved ones, friends, and who is with you but the Comforter, the Savior, Jesus, who has prepared a place for you. Listen, we don't need to dread these things. We don't need to worry about these things. We don't need to have fear about these things. Believe in God. Believe in Jesus. In that moment, that line's going to resonate in your mind, and you're going to wonder, why did I ever have any fear? Why did I ever have any doubt? Why did I ever worry? Why didn't I ever, why didn't I speak up more? He has come just as he said he would. The promises of God. And so today, Jesus looks at us. Whatever you're about to walk through, whatever you are walking through, Jesus looks at us and he says, let not your hearts be troubled. 
Don't freak out about this. Don't be beat up. Don't carry it around. Don't be, believe in God. Believe also in me. He's got it. He's got you. Disciples would face many, many things on this earth. But we hear it resonate in the words of Paul when he says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. The promises of God and the promise of Jesus is true. Amen? Let's stand together today and let's pray. Prayer teams, if you'd come on down, would you do that? Oh, Lord, we just bow our hearts today before you. Lord, you've led us to this passage for today, and so I know, Lord, that there are those here this morning who maybe are facing some tough, tough, difficult things and need the touch of your Spirit upon their lives. Father, I pray you'd touch them, strengthen them today. And Father, let their belief in you resonate loudly, loudly in their lives. Father, I pray that not one believer would leave this place today with a troubled heart, but that we would leave this place today walking in the victory of your Spirit, knowing that you have it. Your promises are true. Speak to each life, Lord, and let us not just know that in our mind. Let us possess it in our spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. As every head's bowed, every eye closed. say, Pastor, I need to put my belief in Jesus to be my Savior. I need to cross a line and, and begin to follow Him with all of my life. But maybe, maybe you have, maybe there's somebody here that you've, you know the truth, you've lived for Him for a while, you've walked away, and, and it's, God's speaking to you today. He's saying, it's time to come home. It's time to put your faith in Him. You just say, Pastor, pray for me today. I want to cross that line of faith and receive Christ in my life this morning. Raise your hand right now and just say, pray for me in Jesus' name. God bless you. Anyone else today? God bless you. Anyone else today? Let's all pray this prayer together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I put my faith in Jesus to be my Savior. I put my trust in Him to be my Lord. Now I ask you to help me to live for Him who died for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, friend, if, if you've prayed that prayer today for the first time or maybe in the last several weeks, uh, months, you prayed that prayer, but you've never come down and had one of the prayer teams pray with you. I, I want to encourage you to do that. You can come down and say, hey, about a month ago, I gave my life to Christ. Uh, or today, I gave my life to Christ. I want to encourage you to do that. 
uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I think it does something spiritually in your life when you do that. But two, we're going to give you some follow-up things that's going to help you. And, and I hope that you'll step out and come down and get them today. It's an important thing for you to do. If you have any other needs in your life, maybe you're going through that troubled time and you need the peace of God in your life. You need, you need to not only know the truth, you know the truth, you need to possess the truth in your spirit. Then don't be bashful. Step out and come on down. Maybe going through a health issue, whatever it is. Step out and come down and let somebody pray with you. Now before we go, uh, those of you who come, if you're new here today, please, this, this is just for those of you who come. Those of you who come all the time, we want to touch our city. We could use your help. We could use your help. We want to touch more people and do more things in our community. There's a flyer that tells you all the stuff that we did this year. If you didn't get one of those, get it and look at it. It doesn't tell you all. It tells you a lot of things we're really celebrating. But we could really use your help. You can still fill one of these out and drop it in the black box before you leave. It'll really help us as you begin to give just a little bit above and beyond to help us make a difference in our community. As we sing this song, you come on down, let somebody pray with you, anybody here who has a need. And then after we've done this a time or so, Dan will dismiss you. I love you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Amen? Amen.